Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to our third show of the year. This is our fourth season. Welcome back in our monthly show, the month of March. So every show I start off with my honorable mentions and I think of in the last month anything significant that's happened and to, you know, people do shout outs and I don't like to shout because that's, that's too rude. So what I'll do is I call them my honorable mentions and <clears throat> I started off really this past month with I call my tears because there's some, I've lost at least, well, I've lost two people in my life, one of uh, both patients, one of them uh, was 77 <clears throat> and he passed about three three weekends ago on, and we're still investigating the cause of his death. Uh, and so I'm condolences to his family, but I, police are investigating, coroner is investigating. The other tears, uh, honorable mention, is the passing of somebody I consider an American hero. And it was my friend and former patient and really a great American was Robert DeProspero, Bob DeProspero. He was a Secret Service agent. He protected five presidents. He retooled security standards after Hinckley uh, made that attempt on Ronald Reagan in 1981. <clears throat> Excuse me, and Bob passed away March 4th in his home in Scottsdale, Arizona. He was with his wife, uh, Patty, who had been married to him for over 60 years. Bob made it to 80, which I think was amazing considering his medical history. He had had so many challenges and, and did not want to give up. <clears throat> so it was amazing. But I'm going to do the first portion of this. I'm going to honor, honor Bob's memory because I think we learn lessons about life and character and people from heroes. And I think nowadays you have to really search for heroes. There are not too many of them around. So Bob DeProspero had a 20-year career with Secret Service. He was known for his image of being rather stern. <clears throat> and if you see pictures of President Reagan, you'll see Bob DeProspero behind him in that stern look. Uh, he served during the two terms of Reagan at the White House. He was constantly President Reagan's constant shadow. He, wasn't, he was only about two to three steps away, often wearing a three-piece suit. And Bob wasn't a very big guy. He was about five foot seven. He was all muscle. At one time, he was a wrestler in college, but he had a very intimidating presence. You would not want to mess with Bob DeProspero. His body was thick with muscles from a very, very strict weightlifting routine that he continued almost until his death. And he had a very grimacing, protruding brow. He never, he rarely smiled. And he would furrow it, always in concentration. He was known to the agents as Mr. D, or the other name was Agent No, because uh, among the White House staff, Bob DeProspero always was very frustrated with a lot of the political aides and the foreign emissaries, because they always wanted to do things that weren't safe for the president. <coughs> So Bob DeProspero would reject those plans and just say, no, the president's not going to do that because you're exposing him to an attack. So <clears throat> during President Reagan's first months in office, Bob DeProspero was the deputy overseeing the president's presidential security detail. A lot of times he clashed with Michael Deaver, who was the deputy chief of staff, and there was constant conflict between them. The philosophy about uh, protection of the president changed dramatically on March 30th, 1981, when would-be assassin John Hinckley fired those six shots from his revolver as President Reagan stepped outside the Washington Hilton after giving a speech. So in the months after the attack, 
Bob DeProspero took over. But one of the things I want to share with you <clears throat> about the assassination attempt on Reagan was that Jerry Parr was a special agent in charge with Reagan at the time. Actually, Bob DeProspero was slotted to be with Reagan at that time. And what happened was Jerry Parr was going to do an event, and he asked Bob DeProspero, said, Bobby, could you cover the president on this event that they are doing to the, Hink uh, to the Hilton. So Bob was already going to be with him to accompany the president. And as the president was walking down the walkway from the Oval Office to the South Lawn, and Bob DeProspero was right behind him, Jerry Parr pulled up in one of the agent cars and said, oh, I, I, I'm back in time. Bobby, I've got him. I'll take him to the Hilton. You're off for lunch. So Bob DeProspero said, okay, I'll turn him over to you. Went over to W16, which was where the agents listen in which is uh, located in uh, near the West Wing. And it was during the lunch hour, Bob was eating lunch, and they heard over the radio the traffic that the president had been shot. And that's where Jerry Parr was the one who was with him, who shoved him into the back of the limo and took off. And Jerry was injured in the process. So I looked at Bob when he told me that. I said, my goodness, you dodged that bullet. And when I looked at Bob's life, he was always dodging bullets. He was always surviving these attempts on his life, especially in the medical field. He was constantly surviving. So when I look at his career, Bob DeProspero took over Reagan's detail. He imposed a raft of very new security measures, some of which are still standard Secret Service protocol today. He is credited with, with the agency's decision to begin using magnetometers to screen guests at all presidential visits away from the White House. So that was from Bob DeProspero. The presidential advisors had long resisted such electronic frisking, fearing it, fearing it might alienate uh, invited donors and constituents. Bob DeProspero always enacted the policy, still in force today, of stationing an agent at the closest trauma hospital whenever the president travels. And <clears throat> part of what the White House Medical Unit does in his advances is, prior to any presidential visit, we would designate a hospital, and there was always an agent from Secret Service there. There was always a phone by White House Communications there. But every hospital was advanced by Secret Service, White House Communications, military office, and members of the medical unit, so we knew who would be on station during that trip in case we needed to bring the president. So Mr. DeProspero successfully pushed for the installation of bulletproof glass on many White House windows over the objections of the mansion's historical pre preservationists. Uh, Joe Petro, who was a former Secret Service agent who trained under Bob DeProspero and later be uh, led, led uh, Rose to lead the Reagan details, said that Bob was his mentor, was tough, but he was beloved by the agents he led. He said that <clears throat> Bob DeProspero had a knack for spotting a gap in the rings of security that agents tried to form around the president, even though uh, he may be in diplomatic demanding situations. <clears throat> His legacy will always be that he was an uncompromising agent, said Joe Petro. He had principles and he wouldn't compromise them for anybody, not even the president. He set the standard for so many agents. The core assignment of the president's detail is to evacuate and cover the president in case of any threat. Bob DeProspero drilled his agents in plans that would allow them to remove the president from danger or cover his exposed body within seconds. And after the uh, uh, my time at the White House, actually during my time at the White House, I worked with the agents to make sure that we were part of that 
exercise drill that when the president was attacked, should that happen, the White House medical unit was always part of that in those drills, so we knew what to happen in case he was attacked. But Bob DeProsper recommended agents to, to cut any hidden escape doors in staged floors for quick evacuation, keep the limousine always nearby as a getaway, and to carry a bullet-stopping metal shield. So that was from Bob DeProspero. If something bad happens, you don't have minutes, Bob DeProspero told him. You have seconds, and that is so true. He developed a close bond with President Reagan, whom he said never expressed any fear for himself, even after he was shot. In an interview with a reporter for an upcoming book about Secret Service, Bob DeProspero recalled that Reagan had a habit of whistling cheerfully as he worked on his Western White House in Santa Barbara. And Bob DeProspero, who was accompanying him, said, Mr. President, you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders. You come out here and you just seem to be carefree. You're my responsibility and I can't sleep at night. How do you do this? And the president just looked at him winking and said, well, Bobby, you gotta delegate. You know, and that's so Reagan, you just gotta delegate. So on foreign trips, Bob DeProspero upset a lot of the hosts by demanding that he stand next to the president, even at formal events. So in Colombia, the president's military guards tried to block Reagan's entourage from following Reagan inside a ceremonial palace. Bob DeProspero jabbed one guard in the midsection, ran past him, and rejoined the president. He elbowed a protocol officer in the ribs when the officer tried to pull him away from Reagan and ceremony outside. So I can just see Bob DeProspero doing this. And I, I think of this guy, so incredible as he was, he, he grew up, he did not grow up rich or famous, obviously. He, his father was a coal miner in Western Virginia. His mom was a dime store clerk. Uh, in Morgantown, West Virginia, when he was born on New Year's Eve. At West Virginia University, he got a bachelor's degree in physical ed in 1959 and a master's degree in education in 1960. He taught biology at James Madison High School in Vienna, Virginia. He also coached wrestling and football. He, uh, the fathers of several boys, several boys he coached, worked as top officials in Secret Service, and they recruited him in 1965 to join Secret Service. Unlike most agents who rotate between investigating financial crimes and serving on protection details and then filling administrative portions, Bob DeProspero almost worked exclusively as the body man. In other words, PPD, or Presidential Protective Detail, for the President, Vice President, and Presidential Candidates. In 1959, he did a very smart thing. He married his wife, Patty, Patricia Townsend. And in addition to wife is Pat, his wife is widow Patty, who's in Scottsdale, Arizona. His survivors include his two children, Bobby DeProspero, who lives in Texas, his daughter, Robin, Robin DeProspero Philpot of Leesburg, Virginia. And Robin was a career Secret Service agent, so she followed her dad. Uh, Bob had a brother. He had four children, and something of great pride, his four great-grandchildren. He, uh, he uh, was always vain about his high standards, and he was always, when he would come visit me in my office, he would always was immaculately dressed, very crisp suits, his posture was impeccable. He was always very of the highest standards when it came to security as well as in his personal life. He would say in an interview in 1985, I'm not overly intelligent. I am certainly not the most suave person I don't have the greatest personality, but I think I have the ability to lead men. 
and eight of eight of the members of his health of his detail became assistant or deputy directors of Secret Service, and two of them, who I know personally, Louis Merletti, Lou Merletti, and Brian Stafford, rose to become director of Secret Service, and they are also aware of his passing. I actually emailed uh, Lou Merletti in Florida when Bob DeProspero passed. So I think of my good friend, great American colleague. And a great, a truly a great person, Bob DeProspero. His stories, his service to our presence, our country. Uh, I, I think of him particularly this weekend because I'm flying tomorrow for an aviation conference in Camarillo, California. My husband John's flying us. It's for our airplane, TBM, and they have an annual, annual safety conference. But this year they're having a special event at the Reagan Library. And I visit the Reagan Library many times with my husband. One of the events I remember about six or seven years ago was it was an event to honor the Medal of Honor recipients. And we had a table sponsored, and I asked Bob DeProspero and his wife, Patty, to be our guests. So they were excited to come because it was a black tie, you dress up. It's held in the pavilion of the Reagan Library. And so they have not a replica, but the real 707 that was Reagan's airplane, Air Force One. It has his limousine. It has Marine One for under Reagan there in this huge pavilion. It's like a huge hangar. And so Bob DeProsper was excited to go. He called the agents and the, at the LA field office. They told Nancy Reagan. So it was a time, obviously, uh, uh, Ronald Reagan already passed, so Nancy was alone. It was about a year after he had passed. And Nancy Reagan heard that Bob, Bobby DeProsper was coming to town. So she asked the agents to call Bob and to visit her at her house on McLeod Street in Bel Air. And only Bob could go. Only Bob was allowed to go. So he went to go see her before our black tie event at the Reagan Library. And when he came back, he was very tearful. They reminisced, they talked about old times, and it really touched him that she remembered him so much and how important he was in their life. And I, I think of, of him now as we reminisce and we honor him in this first segment, because now I think he is really, he's with the Reagans, he's with a lot of others, but he's back with his protectee, and I, I wonder if he's, he's still two feet behind you know, Rawhide, as they call Reagan, or is he with Rainbow, as they called her. So God bless you, Bob DeProspero, on, this, on your time here and having served these amazing people. I'm going to move on to my tears, but in a lot of ways as a celebration of his life, to my cheers for this month. Uh, cheers to my son Jason Stevens, who celebrated 30 years. How can my baby be 30 years old? How do my kids get this old? Uh, to Dr. Pamela Barr in La Jolla, California, who had a birthday this month. Also our dear friend in Canada, Reiner Zim in Goderich, Canada. Uh, Dr. Julie Enay, who was a former guest on our show about twice. She is a psychologist and she runs her private practice called A New Beginnings in Scottsdale. She counsels many CEOs and families and patients and friends. Her specialty really is eating disorders, but she also helps with people with marital issues, social issues, anxiety. She's a health eating disorders expert. We, we believe, and we spoke on, on shows before, that diets don't work. It's all about lifestyle. And always she's been a great guest, so I think of her constantly uh, when we do this, but especially this month on her birthday. So we've got a few minutes here. I'm going to go to a quick three-minute break, and then you're going to come back. We're going to interview our special guest, Dr. Lud Depish. We're going to talk about our theme for this show, and it's about purpose, all about purpose and how purpose 
Having a purpose prolongs life. So stay tuned for Dr. Connie's house calls. Our special guest, Dr. Lud Depish, a physician, retired pathologist, but medical historian and an expert on longevity in his own way. So stay tuned for more. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnyradio at gmail.com. That's drconnyradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back. As I mentioned in our first show of this year, these shows this year will be on the theme of longevity. How can we live long, healthy, vital, active lives as long as possible? And I say there are 11 Presidential Secrets to Longevity. I'll start with the letter P. And in my first show in January, I had a guest speaker, Dr. J. Olshansky from University of Chicago, who talked about the genetics and how that influenced longevity. Having the right parents, obviously, you know, that, that's a huge, important aspect of longevity. But I really believe, and Dr. Olshansky believed, that purpose was very important as well. 
And I look at presidents because we, we it's good to have role models. And I, knowing presidents, I look at how, even though you look at presidents now, current presidents and the past presidents, they age before your eyes. They get gray hair, they get wrinkles. They're just, you know, obviously the before and after photos. And there used to be a theory that being president shortens your life. But Dr. J.L. Shansky wrote a seminal article years ago that said, no, on the contrary, looking at historical data, that even though presidents age before your eyes, they actually live longer than the people who voted them into office at the time. And, and now look by example, Ronald Reagan lived into his 90s. Jimmy Carter, who is still alive, is 94, survived uh, metastatic brain cancer. George Bush, rest his, uh, rest his, uh, uh, rest his soul, uh, died at 94 last November. So they all live long. Now, as physician to chief executives and, and to many retired CEOs, one of the things I notice about my patients when they retire is if they don't have something to go to and things to do, they die quickly in a lot of ways. They die in spirit. And so when people retire, they've got to have a reason to move on. You have to have something to go to. I mean, can you really play golf every day? You got to, is, is, you know, if you love it, that's your purpose. So I like to see about what, what is about purpose that prolongs life. And I thought of, well, we thought about American presence, and I thought one of my good friends and a colleague of mine who's here today, drove all the way from Tucson, and has written several books, and it's really an excerpt on, on presidents and their health, is Dr. Lud Depish. And we're going to talk about it, but let me introduce Dr. Depish's background history. Ludwig M. Lud Depish is board-certified pathologist who has an undergraduate degree from Fordham University and his medical degree from Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, both outstanding institutions. He has been a professor of pathology at three medical universities. And over the past 30 years, Dr. Depish combined his knowledge of medicine with an interest in American political history. Now this led to a master's in American history degree from the University of Arizona. He's given numerous lectures and has written journal articles and has two published books right now, soon to be three books. His first book was The White House Physician, of which he interviewed me. That's when I first met him. And the other is The Health of First Ladies, and we're going to talk about that. And his third manuscript, The Women in Andrew Jackson's Orbit, The Ladies Who Influenced a President, was recently accepted for publication by McFarland and Company Publishers. So that's amazing. Dr. Depish is a, is a native of New York City. He lives in Tucson with his family. And so welcome today. He came all the way from Tucson. He braved the traffic. He's here today. Thanks, Dr. Depish, for being here. Thank you, Dr. Connie. It's a real pleasure to be here. And uh, <clears throat> as, uh, as you know, we've been friends for a number of, time, a number of years. And uh, for the uh, two books that uh, already published that you mentioned, you are of extreme uh, help to me and your generosity and insights <laughs> were terrific and we become friends on the basis of that. Oh, absolutely. You're, well, I see you as a font of wisdom, but you're so inspiring and we're going to talk about you as an example of longevity and inspiration. But from from your research and your, and your books about President Health and actually First Lady Health, what do you see as examples of purpose and how these people have lived long as a result of purpose? Well, as you know, uh, John Adams uh, lived uh, until the age of 90, and that record was uh, not broken until uh, Herbert Hoover uh, lived to be uh, 90, 90 years old. Uh, since then, 
there have been a number of presidents who are living a long time. And I should mention that Jimmy Carter today became the longest lived uh, ex-president uh, at the age of 94 and uh, almost six months. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. bypassed uh, G.H.W. Bush uh, and uh, who died at 94 very recently and other presidents uh, have also lived long, long. Uh, I would, uh, I would add uh, Ronald Reagan who lived for 93 years and four months and um, Jerry Ford who lived for 93 years and five months. Mm -hmm. Why do they do that? Mm -hmm. Well, some of them, uh, most of these men being ambitious also had purpose. Jimmy Carter uh, has been a great ex-president. He has uh, been out of office for 40 years. Uh, when he uh, retired uh, at the age of 56, uh, he had to go back to Plains, Georgia to resurrect the finances of the peanut farm. <laughs> but since then, after accomplishing that, he, uh, he started the uh, Carter uh, Museum uh, and the Carter Center, actually, which has uh, performed a whole host of very, very interesting projects, such as um, pushing for democracy in third world countries. He has been an election observer to, uh, uh, to observe how uh, the, the integrity of the elections in places as far as white Dominican Republic and the middle of Africa. Uh, he uh, also uh, held a conference at the Carter Center that uh, dealt with the 25th Amendment. This is some time ago, but uh, Dr. Connie, of course, knows that amendment very well. That's the first time I, I met him, and then he slept with me among the former presidents. No, he didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's an old story. That's yeah. an old story? Well, yeah. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> so that was when we, we were flying to a funeral, and uh, it was Ford, Carter, and Bush Sr. slept in Air Force One, so that right. I got to see him. And, and we talked about our Navy days because he was submarines. So. Yes. So, um, but some of the things that you can uh, derive from his life is, first of all, he has strong faith. Mm -hmm. He's an evangelical Christian. And the past were always photographs of him uh, after Bible class, holding the Bible. Hasn't smoked. I don't believe he's ever took, took, taken a drink, but I don't know. I doubt it very much if he's been on opioids. So he has all those things working for him. And an important thing for longevity is having a great marriage. Mm -hmm. And that has worked for me. And uh, I'm sure it has worked for uh, President Carter. He had uh, several curveballs thrown at him uh, medically. He has three siblings, all of whom have died of pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. And that reason has, for that has never been explicated. Mm -hmm. Has it been genetic, familial, environmental? I don't know. But obviously, he has much, lived much longer than his two sisters mm -hmm. and brother Billy, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and about two years ago, 
he developed melanoma of the brain. Mystery as to where it's from. I believe he also had in the liver. He survived. Yeah. <laughs> and the last thing I read about, it's amazing. <laughs> President Carter and Rosalind, they were building houses somewhere. Yeah, yeah. that's an incredible. Per- I mean, and look at one of the things you research as well among presidents is first ladies live long. And but you they know, tend to live even longer, longer. than presidents. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, eight presidents have died in office. Only three first ladies have died in office. I'll mention the three since yes, it's not yeah. very well lo- known. Uh, Letitia Tyler, someone whom you don't <laughs> often hear, but she bore seven children. Mm-hmm. And in those days, uh, obstetrical care was almost absent. Mm-hmm. And presumably she developed hypertension and all those issues that go with multiple pregnancies back in the 1840s. That's uh, one first lady. Another first lady, also not extremely well known, would be Carolyn Carolyn Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, William, Benjamin. not William Henry Harrison, but Benjamin Harrison, his grandson's uh, uh, president, who was president from 89 to 93. Mm-hmm. And she died of tuberculosis, mm-hmm. which at that time in our nation's history was known as the White Death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she died. Um, and the third uh, First Lady, uh, perhaps more famous because of whom the president married, was the first Mrs. Woodrow Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Eleanor Wilson, great lady. She really supported Woodrow Wilson, who might say, uh, anecdotally, was a bit of a (laughs) psychologic, uh, deprived individual. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're being so political. (laughs) Yeah, political. He he craved the attention of women. Oh. Uh, Yeah, but not not from an illicit point of view, but he was devastated when Carolyn died. She probably died also of the consequence of bearing children. Uh, For the uh, third pregnancy, uh, Wilson said three daughters, uh, for the third pregnancy, she developed eclampsia, uh, which is a renal issue. Uh, Kidneys went into chronic dysfunction and uh, chronic failure, which was missed because when you have a White House physician in the past, I must say, they uh, they focused upon the president mm-hmm. and not the first lady, right. and uh, that's another long story. But also, too, the former White House physicians, a lot, you're not going to have a gynecologist, you're going to ask for it, but a lot of them were either ENT doctors, there was one who might have been a GYN, they all had different specialties, never, okay, but never. ENT, you had an ENT, ENT doctor. Well, of course, surgeons. that was one of your Navy predecessors. Yeah. Dr. Ross McIntyre. Should I continue with that story? Uh, Well, uh, when uh, Franklin Roosevelt uh, was elected president, uh, he had polio, was confined to a wheelchair, was otherwise healthy. He did not have a personal physician. They were elsewhere. They were in New York. was from New York City, 
And so he asked a former White House physician, uh, Woodrow Wilson's White House physician, Dr. Carrie Grayson, a Navy guy. So uh, Carrie Grayson, of course, would nominate another Navy white male, I guess. Sure. Small club. (laughs) (laughs) And besides being uh, a polio, uh, FDR also had chronic sinus problems. So who would they select to be the White House physician? An otolaryngologist, an ENT guy. Mm -hmm. And that worked well until... uh, the president developed significant hypertension and congestive heart failure. And it was his daughter who noted that, this was in 44, uh, that her, the father had problems and he, he lost weight, but he also problems in breathing. And so she went to uh, Ross McIntyre, who at that time was a vice admiral, <laughs> and uh, uh, of course, he dismissed <laughs> what this young woman <laughs> would bring to him. <laughs> so uh, she forced him to go uh, take the president to Bethesda Naval Hospital, and they got a sharp cardiologist, uh, a, um, I think it was Navy. Bruin. Was yeah. it Bruin? Yeah. 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 Howard Bruin. Was he Navy? Or? It was Navy. He was yeah. Navy, of course. Navy is <laughs> <laughs> in vogue here <laughs> on this table. And he d- diagnosed uh, and kept him alive yes. for a year, yeah. thanks to his daughter. So Roosevelt could see the end of the war or see the final, but also went to Yalta and whether or not his hypertension and congestive heart failure affected his reasoning there. That's left to the historians. Right. It, it, all of that influences it. But, but going back to purpose, one of the things I'm fascinated, too, was there one underlying purpose? Was it just to be president? Was it to win for a some of them. Yeah. For some of them. For Ronald Reagan, it was America. Mm-hmm. It was to defeat the, the communists. He became an ardent anti-communist while working for General Electric, uh, and um, being their spokesperson. And he wanted to make sure America defeated the communist ideology. And that propelled him, and he was obviously successful. So I think that was his purpose. Mm -hmm. Uh, For Jerry Ford, who also lived a long time, Jerry Ford was a political guy. He was married to um, his wife. Betty Ford. Uh, Betty Ford did good work later in, in her life, but she was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. <laughs> as, uh, as uh, many people know. But he basically wanted to keep the country together after the uh, resignation of uh, Richard Nixon, uh, which he did. Uh, but after that, I think he wanted to take care of his family, yeah. especially get Betty squared around, and, which he did. George Herbert Walker Bush, who died last year, I think he just wanted to be a good man in service to the country. Right. And he did that, and he was also blessed with a wonderful wife. They were married for, I think, 70 years? 72 years. 72 years. And as often happens when the wife dies, an older man 
with the fades away very fast. Right, you lose both. Uh, both you, the purpose. Yeah. Yep. Both There's the purpose. purpose. So uh, we're gonna are, we're gonna take a quick little break. We'll be back because what I want to do then we talked about present purpose, but I also want to interview you about your personal life okay. because I think there's a lot of things I've learned from you that you've done as a physician who's retired young and have gone on to do other things. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's House Calls with Dr. Lud Depish, a retired pathologist, but also a medical historian. So stay tuned. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. We're talking about how purpose prolongs life, and Dr. Lud Depish, our guest in studio today, who has studied the health of presidents, has pointed out very good examples with former presidents who lived into their 90s, and they were purposeful. They have a reason, obviously, as your president, you want to run campaigns, you want to run the government, you do it for your country, you do it for various reasons, but what happens after you retire? And I look at Dr. Depish here, you're a retired physician. Could you share a little bit how old you were when you retired and, and what you do every day? I mean, you, you can share your age if that's okay. It gives people hope and uh, that when you retire, so to speak, 
that you don't just die, you keep doing things. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I retired at age 62, and uh, my wife and I moved to Tucson, Arizona, where we previously had a um, winter <laughs> vacation home. And uh, the old adage was, I married you for better for or for worse, but not for lunch. <laughs> Taking that into <laughs> consideration, and since I tried golfing in the past and my son didn't want to golf with me anymore, <laughs> I, did, I didn't play golf. So uh, I uh, got a master's degree in American history at the University of Arizona, and that got me started uh, on, uh, on writing books. What do I do now? Well, <laughs> I sleep more. <laughs> I haven't smoked since uh, first year of college when I chain smoked because that's what you gotta do. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I drink uh, an occasional Manhattan. My wife thinks probably too much, but it's very minimal. I exercise uh, less often and less strenuously than in the past, uh, but uh, Right now, we have a very active social life. Both of our children live in the Phoenix area, and we have three wonderful grandsons, the oldest of whom is going to ASU, uh, where I think Dr. Connie's Yeah, my, both sons, my sons are graduates sons, of ASU. ASU. Good school. And uh, so uh, I, I follow ASU basketball since the University of Arizona had a miserable season. <laughs> uh, I exercise. Uh, somewhat uh, moderately. I'm active on a number of boards. Some of them are religious boards, but uh, I've gotten very interested in music. I don't read music, but I love listening to it. There's an organization in Tucson called the Tucson Desert Song Festival, which uh, has now completed seven seasons. There are about 15 different local Tucson organizations that participate in it. And the festival just helps them organize these two and a half to three weeks in January. And we supplement their uh, honoraria for guest artists. We have in Tucson so many prominent singers at the Met who uh, have come down to Tucson, some of them on the way up. So that's very, very exciting. We travel. Recently, were in Sydney to Singapore, a wonderful uh, excursion. I got to hold a baby crocodile whose jaws were taped, fortunately. <laughs> we saw jumping crocodiles and Komodo dragons and celebrated Chinese New Year in Singapore, which was a blast with her. <laughs> Everything in red and all these, uh, uh, it was the year of the pig, and these big plastic pigs were all, all over the city, and fireworks every night. So that's uh, what we do. Uh, I try to help my wife a little bit around the house, but certainly far from enough. <laughs> my wife is very active. We've been married for now 53 years. Uh, going on 54, so we're still together and enjoy each other. 
I hope she still enjoys me. She says she does. So that's that's what I'm doing. (laughs) But you're always active. You're how old now? I am. I am. I'll celebrate year number eighty-one. Complete year number eighty-one on May eighteenth, nineteen. Uh, well, I was born in 1938, uh, in, in uh, 2019. That's my mother's birthday, May 18th. Good for oh, you. Oh, yeah, well. Yeah, no wonder I like you. Y- yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what always interests me about you is you're always learning. You're, research- you're constantly reading, but you're thinking, you're reflecting. What made you decide to write books and study American presidential health? Well, it was during... Uh, the last years at uh, the hospital in Youngstown, Ohio, then called the Youngstown Hospital Association. I was also a, a professor at Northeastern Ohio College of Medicine uh, at that time. And uh, I was chair, but after being chair of the department with eight pathologists and residents and all sorts of other hardworking technologists and technicians, looking for something else to do. And the medical school was very interesting in that it was a six-year school, BSMD, Mm -hmm. uh, which means that the 22 or 23-year-old students, when they're graduating as seniors from medical school, didn't know much, (laughs) no much history. Uh, So uh, there were a lot of electives uh, for the medical students, so I organized a elective series of an elective seminar four sessions of two to three hours each on the health of presidents and how it affected their foreign and domestic policy and i started going to graduate school at youngstown state university and when i uh, came to uh, tucson uh, i wanted to continue uh, with my master's degree and my thesis uh master's thesis was the White House physician. And uh, that was a great book. I that learned, was a great book. I, I learned a, a lot. I met a lot of fascinating people, one of whom is here in this room. Well, you know, you, you <laughs> exemplify a lot of things that I've read about and studied about longevity. And one of the internet magazines is called Ageist. And my friend David Stewart is a reporter. And one of the things he talks about in his, his March edition of that magazine was he talks about the keys to a good life meaning, you know, having a long, good life. And he says one of them is lifelong learning. And it's funny, at home I have a pillow that says, I'm not young enough to know everything. You know, because sometimes people who are young think they know everything. And you always admit, I don't know everything. Yeah. But you're constantly curious. You're learning. I mean, who wants to go back to school after you retire from medicine, right? But you did. I mean, who wants to sit in a classroom, tell you people, you know, and be questioned again? Well, that was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, because it's a whole different thing. And you, it's a very humbling experience. And so one of the things I, I believe is some of the very smartest people of any age that I know are always curious. They're always wondering, what does this about? There's something they call fossilization, and that's a false belief that we know it all, that we know it all so much that we don't need further investigation. That's when you fossilize, and you just would avoid that because once that happens, you isolate yourself, you get poor health, so you, it really closes your mind. So we are definitely not fossils here, uh, you know, and you see that, and you can be a young fossil. You have people say, I know it all, I don't want to learn anymore, and they essentially fossilize. So you really have to be open. The other thing we believe is hard is not impossible. You can do it. You've done that. 
And then there are people who meditate. They let your mind rest. You know, you let it, you breathe, you do exercises. You have your, uh, you know, your cocktail to relax you. You know, I was sharing that one of my patients who, my longest lived patient was 102. She died about a year and a half ago. And every night she would have a shot of whiskey. She just did that. It was fine. It was her way to enjoy life. And that was okay. But again, they say all things in moderations. They also say practice saying hello and smiling. And you, I've always known you as being friendly, smiling, engaged in people, making contact with, you know, human contact. You love your opera, your music, your social groups. You're always engaged in life. Uh, and always saying yes. You know, you volunteer. You know, it's just being open to life and open to those things. We're going to wrap it in a few minutes, but I want you to, Dr. Depish, if you can give words, your words of wisdom from what you've learned in research, you've studied in history, but also in your personal 80 plus years, soon to be 81 years of living life, what would you recommend to listeners about how to live a long, healthy, good life? Don't let your friendships die. Hmm. And as my friends are passing away at about the age of 80 or so. Mm. <clears throat> I uh, know a lot of splendid widows. So during the season of Lent, I'm not giving up anything, but I'm trying to call all of these widows <laughs> and find out how, the, how they are doing. Mm -hmm. um, try to be positive. Uh, attempt to, to make at least one person happy each day and uh, have fun. <laughs> well, you know, I, and that's amazing that you can still see that. It's a joyful thing, the things that you've accomplished. Yes. One other thing that I miss, and I don't, I, it might be a little relevant. I've been a birder, that is a bird watcher, yeah. for 60 years. And <clears throat> one of my goals was to see 700 North American birds, that is, North America from the Mexican border up through Alaska, but not counting Hawaii. Mm -hmm. uh, and I did it three years ago. You did? I did, yeah. I was at a, uh, at a pond at a shopping center <laughs> in do you, Florida. Do you, do you have a bucket list anymore? Do you keep a bucket list? Oh, I have a bucket list. Is it still, you have a bunch of things on that list still? Oh, yes. Okay, uh, yes. it's not I time to check out yet. I want to be uh, <laughs> go to every state, Okay, and I have a lot to do there. want to finish this book. I want to see my grandsons um, graduate from college. I'd like to see my son get married, but don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wonderful guy. If any, <laughs> any young girls out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see my daughter and son a little happy. Um, I told, uh, I promised my grandsons, um, who are now uh, 20, 17, and 14, almost 15, that I will live to be 90. And they say, Opa, Opa, we want you to be here until you're 100. So that's a goal. <laughs> okay, make it to 100. You want to make it to 100. That's a good goal. But you know, it's your joy of life, your attitude, your curiosity. How old do you feel? Depends upon the day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like, how old do I feel? You know, right I, now I feel very invigorated. I feel like I'm about 60, 65, 
But uh, sometimes when I'm tired at 4 yeah. o'clock in the afternoon, I feel much older. Right. You take a break. That's a, But I think, you know, when you look at people as we age, you, you know, the thing we lose, we worry about our memories, our, our brains ah, is keeping yes. your brain active, yes. your mind, your memories. And you yes. talk about loss. Yes. is loss of memories, loss of friendships, you yes. know, and people are dying. My lady who died 102, and I said, why, you know, her, her pacemaker battery was due to be renewed. I said, well, we can renew your battery. She says, I don't want you to do that. She says, everyone I've loved is gone. I don't need to be around. <sighs> so her purpose was no longer there. I have a purpose. Yes. For the older friends who retire, I try to replace them, replace them with a new young friend. Oh, good. Good for you. That's a way to do that. You yes. sort of move through. One of the things as I wrap this up, I think of my dad who made it to 94 last year. And he he worked every day. He always had chores. I, You know, his thing was every day you get up, you've got things to do. And I remember listening one day on my way to work to a radio show. Can't remember which show. And what I still remember from that show was the lesson or the message that came to me about how to live a long, good life. And it was very simple. They said, let's condense it. You have to have three things to a good li- for a good life, something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. So if you can have that, very simply, you can have a great life. And I always add, be grateful. Be so grateful. with that, Dr. Ludd Depish, thanks for being on our show today. Thanks, you know, for being there. I want to ask one last question. Uh, tell me about how people can get your books. How can they hear about you? Well, uh, the books uh, that uh, Dr. Mariano has mentioned, they can be uh, bought through Barnes and Nobles and uh, Amazon.com. Okay, so they can go online. Is there a website they can find if you're speaking at a a speaking event or in a speaking engagement? I uh, do have a website, but with the press of many things, (laughs) I have not kept it active. It's going to be... uh, reactivated and rejuvenated Mm -hmm. since a new book is uh, going to be coming out in the next year, year and a half or so. So uh, it's, um, let's see, uh, firstladiesofamerica.com. One word, firstladiesofamerica, lowercase.com. And so the most recent book is about Andrew Jackson and his circle of women. Circle of women. women. And he was monogamous, actually. Wow. Yeah. Well, he's smart. He can listen to women. That's important as advisors. So, uh, oh well, they they kind of uh, they run the world. They, well, <laughs> I smart. I never doubted that. <laughs> I sir, I wish that Mrs. May were doing a bit better job. Yeah, but that's a different <laughs> that's a different radio show. So thanks, Doctor Deppish. Everybody out there, thanks for listening in to our show on house calls, and make sure you focus on something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. And for that, I'm grateful you're listening in. So have a great month. Take care. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.